0: Okay, so we are still in Unit 5 and Point B. I know this has been a long one, but Unit 5 is power against the powers and Point B is the background of the powers. And we have dug in deep to understand how the whole world is under lower powers, subjugated under lower powers than having direct access to God, which was God's original design for mankind, but how sin has separated man repeatedly and even more distance, 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 and lower and lower and lower subjugations under powers that are much lower than God himself. But mankind has been subjugated under these powers, under these spiritual authorities because of sin, having lost that direct access to God. So now it's time for some good news we are up to point nine, which is on page 38 in your study guide. So we're, we're, After the Tower of Babel, the nations have all been scattered. They are scattered according to the spiritual powers, according to the number of the sons of Elohim, the sons of God. So there are spiritual powers that are over all of the nations. All of the nations give themselves over to the worship of the sun, the moon, and the stars. So the whole world, there is not one person in the entire world that is worshiping the one true God, maker of heaven and earth. Even Abram. But God, and we don't know, we'll never know, well, maybe we'll know in eternity what God saw in Abram. It doesn't say that Abram was already righteous. It doesn't say that Abram was already walking with God. And we know because of where Abram was. Abram, God called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees or the Chaldeans. And the Chaldeans were known. They are famous in history as astronomers. They absolutely worshipped the sun, the moon, and the stars, in addition to their own various false gods and other demons and spiritual powers. But they were definitely, they were expert stargazers, expert star worshipers, sun, moon, and star worshipers and the planets and all of that. They were astronomers. Abraham was one of those. But God called him. God called him and God said, hey, come with me, obey me, and you will have direct access to me. I will be your God. Now, those of you who know your Bible, you know we've got to get a couple of steps from Genesis 12 to Genesis 17, but for the purpose of just understanding what that redemption is out from the power of the powers, Abraham began walking with God. He believed God. He was getting instructions from the Most High God. He is one man in the entire world. The rest of the world is off worshiping demons in the sun, moon, and stars. Now, Abraham is one person in the entire world that is actually communicating communicating with the God who created everything. And in Genesis 17, this is many years into Abraham's journey, but God says to Abraham, starting with verse 7, and I will establish my covenant between me and you, between your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. And what is God's covenant? To be God to you. He's saying, I will be your God. So we put all these pieces together. The nations, who's their God? Demons. The nations, their gods are demons. Their gods are spiritual powers that are in rebellion against the one true God. Their God, as deputies of God, God has allotted them that they worship the sun, the moon, and the stars. But God spoke to Abraham and he said, I'll be your God. You be my man, I'll be your God. This, what an honor. This is the covenant. I will be your God, and I will be God to your offspring after you. This is the most amazing thing God could have ever done, because he could have just left mankind off to themselves. He could have destroyed the world. He could have, you know, set people off to destruction again. But instead, through one person— He re-enters into relationship with mankind, and his purpose is to restore the rest of humanity into relationship with him through Abraham, through one man who would call him God and whom he could be God to. Okay? So, Abraham is separated. By by God calling Abraham, Abraham is separated from the rest of the world. Do you see that clear distinction? Everyone else is worshiping all this other stuff and nonsense. Abraham is called to be different. He is called to be holy. He is called to be separated and consecrated to God. He is different from the rest of the world. He is the only one in relation relationship with the creator he is called out of bondage to the powers to worship god directly so the rest of humanity had no direct access to god none Abraham had a relationship with God. Now, if you've studied Abraham's life, you know that God only talks when God wants to talk. God doesn't always just talk because Abraham wanted to talk. Abraham sometimes had to wait a really long time for God to talk again, but still they had a relationship. God wasn't talking to anybody else. Okay, God was talking to Abraham. The only way God would talk with other people was if Abraham was there, and then God had to give them a dream for how they were supposed to interact with Abraham, but that's a whole different story. So the point is, God was guiding Abraham. God was in relationship with Abraham. But here's the deal. Again, we have another one of these. From this point forward, There is a distinction. Abraham was the first one to ever be called a Hebrew. That's the the, the kind of the background name. There are still people who would call themselves Hebrews today, but mostly today we call them Jewish. But now there's a distinction between people who are from Abraham, who are Hebrews, and those who are Gentiles or pagans. There's a distinction between Jews and Gentiles. From the call of Abraham, Abraham is different. Then Abraham had a bunch of descendants. His descendants are different, and specifically those descendants from Isaac and from Jacob become the Jewish people. But you can start to see why Jews would have such a low regard for Gentiles because they know they've been redeemed out of the craziness. They don't worship demons. They don't worship a thousand gods. They don't need a God for every problem. And they're not subject to the sun, the moon, and the stars. They don't live their lives based on an astrology chart or a a chart that says that they were born in the year of the rat or the pig because that's what the sun and the moon say. And that's the way that, you know, all of this stuff, the Jews are like, we don't need a thousand gods. We don't need a million gods. We've got the one God that's real. And all you Gentiles are just worshiping all this nonsense and you behave like heathens and you're wicked and God's gonna judge the world someday because of you. And and then, you know, like you start to understand how the Jews regarded Gentiles as so delusional because you you start to understand the powers that Gentiles and even unbelievers still today are still under, you know, and and the, those gods and those spiritual powers powers lead people into wicked, violent, and godless behavior. Why is it godless behavior? Because God's not in it, because they don't have a relationship with God. It makes total sense that they would be godless because they don't have the real God. And we also talked about how you know we've we've mentioned this before how for a gentile from this point forward to become in relationship with the most high god they have to at first Convert to become a member of Abraham's household. Well, after it, you know, descended from Abraham, a Gentile who wanted to worship the one true God, the Maker of heaven and earth, would have to convert to Judaism in order to enter into and have a direct relationship with God. Now, even direct relationship means in the covenant with Israel, we don't. Nobody has direct access to God. Only the high priest was allowed to enter. We covered all of that before. But I'm just saying that the Jewish people, from the call of Abraham, there's a distinction between Abraham and his chosen descendants, the descendants of Abraham that were chosen by God to maintain the covenant relationship that God says to them, I will be your God and you will be my people. From this point forward, anyone that wants to get into relationship with God has to convert to be in the covenant with the Most High God. okay so this is kind of a side note but we're going to go down this side note because we see the nature of humans that they just can't stop subjecting themselves to powers lower than God so at Sinai this is a little tangent a couple of points about Israel so Abraham was called out of all of the nations and Israel is the the people descended from Isaac the the one who carried the Covenant between God and Abraham Isaac carried that and then Isaac had Jacob and Jacob Je- Jacob was the covenant carrier in the relationship with with God so that God was Jacob's God. And then Jacob had 12 sons. They became the 12 tribes of Israel. And then they go down into Egypt, and there they multiply, and they become a multitude of people. When God redeemed Israel out of slavery, they cross through the waters of the Red Sea on dry ground. God brings them into the wilderness. It was always God's desire that Israel, as a nation, would have direct access to Him, and that the people of Israel would have direct access to Him and be able to hear His voice for themselves. And you can look at the scriptures there, particularly Exodus 19, verse 13, and twenty uh, verses one through 17. That's even including the Ten Commandments. All of Israel gathered around Mount Sinai and heard the voice of. God. God. They all heard his voice. That The Ten Commandments were not given just to Moses up on the mountain. God spoke so that everyone heard the very voice of God proclaiming the Ten Commandments to his people. But even before that— God's purpose was just that they would obey his voice. God never wanted the law. God just wanted obedience. Why? Because he's God. And if you get that, you should obey him. But if you don't get that, then he has to put things in place like the law so that you have an understanding beforehand of what's acceptable in his sight and what's not. So Jeremiah 7 verse 22 and 23 also talks about this. God makes it clear. I know. I never wanted a sacrifice and offering system. I never wanted any of that because I never wanted sin. I just wanted you to obey my voice. That's always been my intention. You can just hear the heart of God like, come on, people. You know, like all I wanted was obedience. But because of your sinfulness and rebellion, I had to come up with all these other ways to stay in relationship with you. You know, God's heart is just so merciful and so good. So when the people back at Sinai when they saw you know this the fire on the mountain and they heard the voice of God speaking to them directly they got so scared at that point when they heard it and a loud trumpet blasted this is in Exodus 19 they were supposed to go up on the mountain all of them all of them were supposed to go and enter the presence of God enter the glory of God as a nation they were all supposed to go up on the mountain but they were too freaked out So they didn't go. They said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we're going to die. And so they refused to go up because they were too afraid. And so instead, God appointed that Moses would be the intermediary between God and the people of Israel, the people that he had called to be in covenant with him, with him. And then, so we have a little bit different explanation of this in the book of Galatians. Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, starting with verse 19, why then the law? The law was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. So the law was put in place because the people were sinning against God. They weren't obeying God's commands just when he was speaking to them directly. And so God, in his wonderful—like, in this time even, historically speaking, the ancient societies in that day, they were all— All ruled by kings who just kind of made up the rules as they went along. The law of God was the first time ever in any nation that a written code of order, law and order, was disclosed in advance. Of This is the way I want things. If you do things well, it'll go well. If you do things bad, it's going to go bad. Let's make this really obvious. It's full disclosure in advance. Here's how it works. You promise to obey. I promise to fulfill the terms. We're all in agreement. Great. The law was put in place even though the law is a lesser authority than what God wanted. God just wanted obedience without the law. But the law, it was done even in a merciful and kind way of full disclosure, unlike in comparison to rulers and kings and quote-unquote gods from other cultures who just made it up as they went along based on what mood they were in that day. Do you see the difference? And so the law was given because of transgression until Jesus would come, and then once Jesus came to who obeyed God perfectly, did everything perfectly according to the the voice of God and the command of God, that God speaking to him through the Holy Spirit that dwelt inside of him. The same way that God wants us to live our lives in obedience, Jesus came and did it, and he did it perfectly. And now we're not under law anymore. We have we believe in Jesus who fulfilled the law for us. But the law held the people of God until Jesus came. So, we're up to verse 23 in Galatians 3. Now, before faith came, meaning the opportunity to have faith in the one who fulfilled the law perfect, before faith came we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be what? Revealed. So then the law was a guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. So the law kept the people of God, the covenant people of God, from going crazy like the pagans right? From doing things that would cause them to be in such sin and rebellion against God that they would be utterly rejected. The law came as a guardian so that the people of Israel would fulfill their purpose of bringing forth the Messiah, which ultimately, even though there's a lot of rebellion in, in the history of Israel, a whole different story, but they did succeed in bringing forth the seed of the woman who crushes the head of the serpent. So the law was the guardian of righteous behavior and a connection and a covenant connection with God until Jesus could come to fulfill obedience to the law perfectly. But you look at the terms of how Paul describes the law. They're terms of subjugation, of bondage. It's a guardian, it's you're captive, you're imprisoned. You know, this is a this is you're being subject to a lower power than being in direct access, direct relationship with God. So From this point forward, Israel is under a lower power than direct relationship with God. Not only is Moses the intermediary between them and God when God wanted to speak to them directly, but also they are under the power or the rule of law. So, between God and Israel, there's this thing called the law. So, they're under a different power, they don't have that direct access. So, the law can even be a spiritual power. The law is spiritual. It is a spiritual thing. Paul says that in Romans 7, but it's a lower spiritual power than direct relationship to the one who has all the power, who is God. Okay, so we have another example of Israel, even though they're in covenant with God, we humans just can't help it. We just desire to be subjected to things rather than being in direct relationship with God. In the days of Samuel, Israel demanded a human king. Because why? They wanted to be like all the other nations— do you start to see how silly this is? Like, did you, when, when I talked about Abraham being redeemed out of the worship of the sun, moon, and stars, did you feel the release there? Did you feel that, that God was doing something so marvelous of giving him this freedom from the sub, subjection to the powers that were ruling over all the rest of the world? And now his very descendants, several, many generations later, they're like, you know, we want a human king because we want to be like all the rest of the pagans. Like, oh, what a slap in God's face. It's so frustrating. And you know what? We do this today. So many people, they come and they're like, well, you know, I, I hear the voice of God really clearly, but I want a mentor. Well, if you want a mentor, you want someone else to be your ruler because you're too uncomfortable having God be your ruler directly. You know, each one of us has to hear the voice of God for ourselves and live our lives directed and taught by God. That is the promise of the new covenant. They will all be taught by God. So by looking for some other authority because you're not secure enough to be led by God directly— you're rejecting God as your king. This is what Israel did. Israel, The Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people. They ask for a king, give them a king. They have not rejected you. They have rejected me from being king over them. And Samuel goes on. This is in First Samuel 12. And you shall know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord by asking for yourselves a king. And all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we might not die, for we have added to all our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. So listen, I am not saying if you have been told by God, directed by God to align yourself with a church or a ministry which has a God-appointed authority, it is absolutely biblical for you to submit yourself under those God-appointed authorities. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who are out there looking for what they call a mentor because they want the mentor to tell them what to do. They want the mentor to speak to through, they want the mentor to speak on God's behalf. They want the mentor to do the spiritual work that God wants to do with them directly. So stop it. You've got to hear the voice of God for yourself. If God's not speaking, get on your face and wait until he does, or keep on doing the last thing that he told you to do until he speaks to you and gives you a new direction. Asking for that type of authority in your life to be a middleman between you and God is the same as rejecting God as your king. And this even goes, I'm sorry, I'm going deep on this today, but asking for a spiritual mother or a spiritual father, you're rejecting God as your father. Jesus said, let no one call you father. You have one father and you are all brothers and sisters. We've got to keep ourselves aligned with God where we love God as our father and allow him to be a father to us without replacing him with another human authority or human figure that we want to tell us what to do because we don't want to get it from God himself. So from this point forward in the history of Israel, Israel was now under the authority of a human king because they had rejected God from being their king so God when he first called Israel out of Egypt you know he wanted a direct relationship with all of them he let all of them hear his voice and then they wanted they they were too afraid to go up the mountain so they get put under the law and then they they want a human king to be just like all the rest of the nations and so they're under a lower authority they put themselves under human authority just like the rest Rest of the nations of the world. Do you see this pattern of humans and how we just can't help ourselves but wanting to be under lower powers than what God's design is, which is for all of us, each one of us, to have direct access to God? And that's what he's made available to us through our faith in Jesus Christ. But before we move on with more of the powers, we're going to do a quick recap. Okay. So like I said, we're going to do a quick recap. These are points that are in your study guide. I'm just going to read them as they are. This is a recap of the background of the powers and the powers that are at work in the world. We finally got through point B. Hallelujah. So the powers background recap. God gave mankind power and authority to rule the world okay? Mankind forfeited the right to be ruled by God and their God-given authority to rule the world. They forfeited it. They instead wanted to be ruled by the evil one, and they gave up their authority to rule the world. They gave it over to the evil one who now rules the world. All mankind is under the power of the evil one. All mankind is under the power of sin and death and the fear of death. So next point, the powers brought division made between male and female. So there's division there. The powers brought division between nations, cultures, social classes, religions, all of these different cultures saying what's good and what's evil, creating the divisions between people that go to war with one another and fight over things, right? The powers brought these divisions. The powers subjugated humans to authorities lower than having direct access to God. So you see, the power's objective is against God. The power's objective is anti-Christ. The power's objective is to keep you separated from God. But God's entire purpose of redemption is to draw you back to himself. So we're going to keep going learning more about the powers, how the powers work, and how Jesus redeemed us from the powers and gives us power against the powers.